Hi everyone, it's Sandy Cruz from Sandy K Nutrition, health and lifestyle queen. And I'm here to show you that balanced living works. This is especially for all you ladies over 40. We will cover a range of exciting topics with many special guests and I really look forward to this season. Bye for now. Hi everyone, welcome to Sandy K Nutrition, health and lifestyle queen. Today with me, I have Deb Gutierrez and Lainey Gray, both holistic health practitioners, and we are doing a panel discussion today all about the gut. It is all about the gut. It really, really is. And when people have distress, whether it's constipation or diarrhea or bloating or gas, there's something your body is trying to tell you. I'm not going to go into it because that's what our discussion is all about, but you're going to love this talk because we go over all the signs and symptoms, what it could mean, and different tests that you can have done. And I feel it's very important for people to pay attention to this because remember, I think it's about 80 or 90% of our immune system resides in the gut. And what often happens is individuals ignore the signs. They're on different drugs, medications that could affect their gut health. And in the end, there's something that happens. There's some sort of a diagnosis. And so while medications are life-changing and life-saving, I am absolutely not against medications. I live on thyroid medications. I would not be here 10 years after my thyroid removal had it not been for medications, right? So don't think that I am anti-medication. What I am saying, though, is that often medications will deplete other functions. And that kind of goes to everything in life, right? A little too much of anything is not great. So if you're on medications for, let's say, reflux or heartburn, that sort of thing. Heartburn is so common, you guys. And why? Why does it happen? People think, oh, I have too much acid. No, 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 no. It is very rare to have too much acid past the age of 45. And in most cases, of course, there's always exceptions. In most cases, it's not enough acid. There are functional tests that you can do and you can find out, work with a holistic health practitioner because they can help you do a bunch of little tests to see, okay, is it not enough acid? Is it too much acid? Because yes, there are some situations where individuals might have ulcers, And in that situation, you most certainly don't want to exacerbate the issue by adding in hydrochloric acid, right? But listen, the majority of individuals who have ulcers are under the age of 40. And past 45, we start to 
deplete that ever so important hydrochloric acid that we need to assimilate so many of our nutrients. So many. Anyway, I'm going to stop talking about this because uh, Deb, Lainey, and myself, we're going to get into this in this panel discussion. I encourage you to contact any of us and all of our contact information is in the show notes if you have any questions or if you want to work with us because we are all holistic health practitioners. Now, a couple of announcements. I do have a contest and this contest is to win a $300 valued biological age test. Now, if you're not sure what that is, listen to my episode from last week and you'll understand what it is. Basically, it is a genetic test to tell you what is happening with your body. How quickly is your body aging? I did one of these before I started my regimen of peptide bioregulators. That's an entirely other discussion. I think it's 67, 71. Um, a couple of other episodes I talk about peptide bioregulators. Again, you can get in touch with me if you want to know more. But I did the biological age test with my DNH before I started this protocol with peptide bioregulators. And I ended up being right at my chronological age. And I was disappointed. And I don't hide that. And it was funny because somebody sent a review and they're like, oh, thank you for being honest. I'm like, you know what? It's tough when you are a practitioner and you get an age that is the same as your chronological age. You expect to be so much better. But there are a ton of reasons why this could be. I had cancer. That could have changed something in my epigenetics. And I used to be a smoker, although they do say if you quit smoking that you can actually alter that. So anyway, there's many factors. You can go listen to last week's episode with Dr. Keith Booher and find out more. And I think you're going to want this. I think anybody who really loves to take control of their wellness They would love a test like this. So to enter, all you have to do is rate, review, and subscribe to my podcast. And you have to do this, I think, pretty much only on Apple, I think. Maybe CastBox and Outcast. Is it Outcast? Um, You can try any of these to do this rating and reviewing and subscribing. Send me an email, sandy at sandyknutrition.ca. And let me know you've done this. Just show me some proof that you've done this. Also, go and follow MyDNH on Instagram. And there you go. You will get a ballot to win one of these test kits. And it's in North America only. And now I'm going to cut on through to my interview with Lainey and Deb. It's all in the gut. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Sandy K Nutrition Health and Lifestyle Queen. Today with me, we are going to talk all about the gut, and this is going to be a very fun conversation because I have two of my favorite biohacking besties, Lainey Gray and Deb G, and Deb, maybe you can pronounce your last name for me. 
Gutierrez. There we go. Um, and these ladies, <laughs> I actually met them a while ago. We met through Clubhouse. We have all these amazing conversations. And I know that for them, the gut is everything. When they work with their female clients, we all work with female clients pretty much all the time. And so I thought, why not do a panel style interview? So I guess I'm going to start with welcoming Lainey. If you could tell us your background, that would be amazing. Awesome. Well, thanks for having me. This is so fun. I love being with you ladies. And this is such a fun conversation. So my name is Lainey Gray. I'm a functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner, which basically means I'm a health detective. So my goal is to dig deep, test, not guess, help people get to the bottom of their chronic health conditions, and then work with diet, lifestyle supplements to have a strategic game plan moving forward. So my background was in personal training, and I loved personal training, and diet and exercise were my two primary tools. And then I realized those tools weren't the only tools that I needed. People were struggling. So I went the route of health coaching and became a holistic lifestyle coach. I got a master's degree in holistic nutrition, became a precision nutrition coach so that I could talk more about how food affects our body, the type of food, how our lifestyle and stress. And then I took it a step further and got certified with FDN so that I could use functional lab testing to really kind of uncover when we keep hearing those things that, oh, your lab works normal, everything's fine, but you just don't feel well. So my specialty right now is women's hormones and gut health. And I love helping women feel amazing so they can live vibrant lives. I love it. Actually, I interviewed uh, the founder of FDN last year. So uh -huh. yes, excellent organization. Now, Deb, tell me about yourself, how you got into this, and your background. Um, you know, mine started a long time ago. Uh, we're gonna, I wanted to be a nutritionist. When I was in college, I majored in nutrition. And at that time, you know, to get a PhD in nutrition, um, I was unaware of some learning disabilities. And so when I got into organic chemistry, I had, a little, I had a few issues. So needless to say, that was back in, so just so everybody knows, um, that was in 1980. So it's been a while. So my, I've always been um, relatively athletic or at least very doing something athletic. And so I became really fascinated with the effects of nutrition on athletic performance. And I just did a lot of research on my own when I was doing endurance sports Fast forward, I also happened to be diagnosed with celiac in 2000, in 2002. I was sick for 10 years. So oh. I had some significant gut health issues. And once I was diagnosed in 2002, I'd never heard the word gluten. It was No one heard the word gluten. Right. There was no such thing as finding gluten-free things. Fast forward again, I went into, um, I decided to become a personal trainer in 2009 when I went back to work. And wanted to do something that I knew I was truly passionate about. I mean, my whole life I've been interested in athletic performance and then nutrition, and they all kind of went together. Um, and the missing piece as I'm working with clients seemed to be a stress component. And the other trainers in the gym back even just early, you know, we're talking about 2011-12, were still focused on you eat Literally, broccoli, rice, 
and and chicken, right? Chicken. That was the model. So fast forward again, health decided to become a certified health coach. Still not enough. And I said, you've got, you've, you're self-taught in all of these things. And I was learning a lot from Ben Greenfield, kind of went to some of his things. And then I thought, you're, you need formal education. So nutritional therapy practitioner, here I am. And basically what that is, is we can look at the body through assessments and what's off, what's not in balance by and large. My um, focus happens to be women who um, have a lot of health issues, but obviously I am all tied to the gut and the immune system. And I'm also continuing on with another education so I can do more testing. Oh, so I tried to make that a, a long story short. So I <laughs> no, I mean, I think we can all agree that without the health of the gut, we really can't improve our overall health. And, you know, one of the things that always lights up whenever I work with a client is the gut. And whether it's, you know, and I, one of the things I see a lot is really poor digestion and not enough assimilation of nutrients. Then they become B12 deficient. They become iron deficient. You know, like all of these things, like people... I think people don't really get that if that digestion isn't working properly, you're not going to assimilate those nutrients. And so this is why it's so important. And it's not easy work. I mean, the gut is very volatile, right? Like, and when our gut is not good, a lot of other things can be not good, right? So um, let's let's get a little more into digestion and the connection between the gut and overall health. And I, I'm going to start because this is a connection that I know I personally have. Like when you go to a doctor, you will go to a gastroenterologist. You will go to a specialist for thyroid. You will go. So it's it's silos, right? Whereas mm -hmm. our gut is connected to everything. So when my gut is off, guess what? I can get a migraine. I can get headaches, right? And so maybe, you know, talk to me a little bit about that connection. Lainey, what you think, how you see that connection with, with the gut and the entire body. Yeah, well, that's, you know, that's my story. You know, as a personal trainer, I thought I was very healthy. I didn't really have anything wrong with me. But then reflecting, I had migraines, I had a weird skin condition on my arms, mm -hmm. and I had gas like crazy, right? And I was like, well, nothing's wrong. It's just normal. And then as I studied more, here I was thinking I was eating healthy. And it was a lot of processed shakes and processed protein bars and all of these things to stay within my macros and do all oh. of these things, right? And exercise, exercise, lots of cardio, lots of stress. And so I remember when I first started studying digestion, I was like, Oh, I was really upset that I had to go back into like the biology and the, the molecular part of it. I was like, what? Oh, wait, nutrients have to get that small to get in the body, right? And I was right. like, oh, wow, this is mind blowing, right? I really have to chew my food. And as <laughs> yeah. I started understanding that chewing the food would break it down and that certain foods would cause inflammation, I was like blown away at the fact that I got rid of my gas like and bloating, migraines went away and my skin cleared within yeah. a matter of a couple of months of changing what I was eating and learning to support digestion and the gut. 
And so when I work with anybody, they never come saying I have gut problems, but they have headaches or they have hives or they have all of these things. And as we dig in, I'm like, okay, well, there's probably an inflammation in the gut. And then if we're not absorbing nutrients, we can't get the nutrients to take care of the problem. And so it just all comes full circle. It's super powerful, though, because we do have the power to change it. Yeah, very powerful. What about you, Deb? What do you see? I think that we see everything. I mean, one of my, for those who want to know more, one of my favorite, two favorite books in reference to this is um, by Dr. Emmer Mayer. And so he has the gut immune connection, which is his newest book. And it's fascinating because he definitely touches on what a lot of people touch on now. And it's the environment around us that we cannot control um, based upon the deficiency in the soils, the, mm-hmm. um, unfortunately the glyphosate that they spray on the grass out in front of my house because it's, it's HOA. I mean, you oh. know, it's in parks and those are affecting gut health at a, at a really you know astronomical level I'm finding. And especially in our younger populations where they never had thyroid issues or they never had, um, issues with, you know, I mean, insane cancer rates in children I and mean, strange things. Right. And so that has been contributing to a lot of it. And so we might not have digestive issues. Uh, a lot of times, like you say, sometimes people don't show, don't, don't show up with that, but I am finding that at, no matter what, no, whether it's a blood sugar regulation issue or whether there's, they're showing signs of some, um, sexual dysfunction, you know, PCOS or whatever, it's still, it's always all these little things. And even like high blood pressure, it comes down to what's not working well within our GI tract. So, yeah, I, I mean, I, you know, you see it everywhere. So what are some of the things that you ladies do? I know I always look at symptomatology. So even though I'm trying to Yes, I do know a lot about the diagnostic tests that are out there. Lainey, I know that that's one of your real specialties, especially graduating from FDN. Uh, It's FDN, right? FDN? Yeah. 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 Functional (laughs) Diagnostic Nutrition, Nutrition, right. Um, I'm actually taking a four-week course right now on functional diagnostic testing because I want to make this really, really clear here. There is a very big difference between functional diagnostic testing and diagnostic testing that you will get from your allopathic doctor, your Western medicine doctor, your GP, your physician, your go-to guy or girl. It's very different. And where do you get, well, I want to make this clear because people will be like, oh, I'll just go get that test from my doctor. Well, Yes, there are some things we can get from our general physician, true, but if you really want to dig deep and understand what's really going on with your issues, sometimes you need to A, see a functional medicine doctor, a naturopathic doctor, a holistic health practitioner, a nutritionist, somebody who is trained in this type of testing. So, I want to make that really clear here because I hear this all the time from my clients. Oh, well, I'm sure that my doctor can test that. Oh, I'm sure. And in Canada, we have a different system, medical system than you guys, right? In the U.S. In our system, we are more like the U.K. where it's 
government, whatever, subsidized, paid. I don't even know what you call it. We call it OHIP. And it's covered by the government. So a lot of people think, oh, well, I can get anything I need done and it's paid for. So I wanted to dispel this really, really big myth right here, right now, right <laughs> off the bat. And then maybe we could talk about some of the issues. I know one of the issues that my clients often have is not enough betaine hydrochloric acid. So... Yes. Um, yeah, you must see that. So there are some tests that we can do that are more like, you know, you take a certain number of betaine, pure betaine capsules, and you test to see if you have that warmth or that heartburn. And up until that point, really, that's saying that you need more hydrochloric acid if you're not feeling it. So what about you, Lainey? That was very long-winded, but I needed to really talk about the whole testing thing. So what do maybe start by saying what's the biggest thing you see with your clients first? So usually I see a lot of hormone dysfunction and irregularities in their cycle or okay. their perimenopausal or things like that. Um, stressed out fatigue, but then a lot of gas and bloating yeah. and burping, um, chronic constipation, right? Oh, yes. And typically they think these things aren't related. So I will say I am a believer in functional testing 100% because we can get a better picture, right? So that we have a more strategic approach. But at the same time, like you said, symptomatology, I do a very big symptom yeah. questionnaire to start. Me too. And I use that against their typical blood work that they get from the doctor. I just put it in a much tighter range. So I call it the superhero range. I'm like, we can either be in the average range or in the superhero range. And once I, right. And so yes. you want to feel like a superhero. Let's, let's tighten up the ranges and then correlate those with their symptoms. And it always comes back to starting with let's chew our food. Let's talk about yeah. the nervous system. Do we have, I would say probably 90% have hydrochloric acid deficiency. Yeah. No kidding. I, I talk, I know. And I say this all the time. I'm like, okay, hang on a second. Your reflux or your heartburn is not because you have too much, too much. 90% of the time, or there are going to be some anomalies, right? Like, let's face facts, you don't want to exacerbate any issues like ulcers or things like that. Right. But I mean, I'd say for women, our age, middle aged women, it's typically not enough. I mean, in our 30s, like when we were 30, and we were working these high power jobs, maybe we could have gotten the ulcer because we had too much. But right now, okay. chances are, eh. But sorry, I, I totally cut you off there because, again. No, it's kind of fun to have this little roundtable discussion. So I think. Yeah, yeah. I think it's it's an easier way to talk. But go on, Lainey. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, because and then typically they're coming and they've taken every supplement recommendation for someone or they've increased their protein because they're following some fitness regimen. And then I explain to them, like, OK, we're going to talk about digestion and how that protein and how those supplements get into your body. And guess what? If you don't have hydrochloric acid, none of that's <laughs> breaking down properly, you yeah. know? So we really need to help support, you know, hydrochloric acid production and then make sure we're absorbing those nutrients. So then we have to go down to the next phase and talk about the gut and the small yeah. intestine, you know, but yeah. How do you increase the uh, HCL? So what do you with do? Most people, if we haven't done testing and their questionnaires don't seem to be like too much acid, 
Um, I will just add some digestive enzymes with yep. a little bit of hydrochloric acid, you know, and start with a smaller dose. And then usually the, the number alkaline phosphatase on the blood work, you both familiar with that? It's a zinc, de- it's a zinc dependent enzyme. Is that ALT? Yeah. Well, okay. no, not ALTS. No? Which ALKFOS? It looks like ALK. I don't think that's normal that. here to do that, oh. but yeah, it's on our um, the CMP panel. So it's with the liver enzymes and your glucose. Okay. But it comes back, and the super, you know, superhero range should be seventy to ninety, and I see people in the forties, so they are zinc deficient, and without zinc, they can't produce stomach acid, and without stomach acid, they can't absorb zinc. <laughs> So it's this never-ending battle. So I start with a lot of digestive enzymes and some good zinc carnosine supplementation to what kind about, of build that up. Yeah, what about you, Deb? Like, what do zinc you... Zinc carnosine. Zinc <laughs> carnosine. There you go. Um, now, what do you guys think of uh, things... This is more for the enzymes, like the pancreatic enzymes, but, mm-hmm. you know, a couple of things that I like are Swedish bitters without senna, of course, because senna will make you poop. And you become, you can become addicted to senna, right? So, um, and then what do you guys think of um, apple cider vinegar? Because everyone's like, oh, I'll just drink apple cider. Like, I mean, I think it's okay, but I personally, it makes me gag. Like, I can't, I can't, I can't do it. I think too, it's the same thing. I, I think for most people, it's just not quite enough. And there are ACV tabs because you know, yeah. drinking too much of that ACV is going to torture your teeth. Oh yes, um, which is not good. So I, you know, I like personally. I like to say, you know, let's start on the digestive, even some just some digestive enzymes, just to get in the protease and the amylase and the yeah. lipase, right? But um, and then doing the HCL challenge, you know, same thing. You know, start with. I just start right off with betaine. I know a lot of practitioners will start with hydrazine at a lower dose. So it's a lower dose than one pill of betaine, but I just start with the betaine. Me too. Um, and, and then also another zinc test. And it's just, you get the, I think it's called zinc acquiesce. I forget the name of the thing, but same thing. You just find out what people's tolerance for zinc is and if they're deficient. Oh yeah. So the zinc test. Those two things work together, and and it's all about symptoms for in my especially my practice because I currently am and unable to do testing. But hands down, with my um, clients, I do all of that, and then I ask them if they are open to sharing with me their latest blood work, or I will then dictate. I want you to go to your doctor and get all of these tests. They they are ones your doctor will do. If they push back on any of them, let me know. And let them know you are their patient and you want these labs. So that's kind of some of the stuff that I do that's a little a little bit different even is because I really want to see people's numbers. I yeah. want to see their blood work. I think that's really important to be able to see the blood work. But you just touched on something there is their own advocacy. It's sometimes they have a hard time. And I've actually written letters very gently asking you know, very gently, like, you know, to, to work with me for your patient, you know what I'm saying? Just to sort of, because it would really help advocate for that person's best health to know and understand through certain tests. And here in Canada, like I explained, everything is paid. And so we, you know, I do my best to advocate for my clients. So 
Um, I, I do want to move on because, Lainey, you touched on hormones. And hormones are a huge connection to the gut. And since this is really a great expertise of yours, maybe describe how they connect and how do women's hormones get so messed up in relation to a messed up gut? Wow, that's a big can of worms. I know, right? <laughs> I know. Right? You can so, unpack it just a little bit. You yeah, can do it. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> Let's touch so, on it. I mean, because we, same thing though, we've been conditioned to think that all of these systems are independent. Right. And so when we talk about, if we start first, we talk about our menstrual cycle and fertility, right? And the end all be all is we really want to ovulate and produce progesterone. That's a really big deal for yes. women. And so when someone's struggling with ovulation and having a regular period, we think, oh, we need all of these nutrients. Well, now that goes back to the gut because we can't absorb the nutrients unless the gut is functioning. So that's one end, right? Mm -hmm. Then if we're having gut issues, bloating, gas, whatever it may be, that's causing inflammation and stress. So now we've got the release of cortisol, our stress hormone, and the body senses that we're in danger and says, it's not a good time to have a baby. And now our menstrual cycle gets messed up and we become progesterone deficient. And now we're bloated and moody and irritable. And that's just part of it. Yeah. <laughs> then the next piece, if all of that is going okay, we produce our hormones, we use them, and then it's designed for us to excrete them daily, which means you need to be having a bowel movement daily. Yes. Good so segue. Good segue, Lainey. Yeah. <laughs> Good segue. So if the liver's jammed up and then the colon is jammed up, those hormones can't get out of the body and they end up getting reabsorbed. And now we have hormone imbalance, estrogen dominance, skin issues, all of the things, literally because the digestive system is not working well. Yeah. So yeah. So <laughs> that's what we'll talk about. They'll say, I think I'm estrogen dominant. And the first thing I'll say is, are you pooping every day? Well, every three days. Mm. Well, that's an issue. So let's get you moving your bowels and then let's talk about your estrogen. You know, totally. And I've I've heard that exact same thing. Well, I'm fine. I have no gas. I have no bloating. I have no issues whatsoever, but I only poop twice a week. Well, yes. therein lies a massive issue. If you think that just because you don't have gas, you don't have diarrhea, you don't have bloating, but you only poo a few days a week. Well, it's time to look at the digestion right there. Yeah. And what's interesting, too, for some women, though post-menopause or during or even perimenopause sometimes the minute they get on progesterone they have daily bowel movements like mm. one thing sometimes yes. but sometimes it's not big picture right sometimes it's like oh my god just because i didn't have progesterone like yeah it is it is a great great hormone that helps us relax yes, <laughs> yes. Right? i mean totally and so then there's, it. yeah, and then there's that whole electrolyte piece, right? Like we talked mm -hmm. about that, I think in, I don't know, in, in one of our discussions about um, blood work and how if you're low in potassium or you're low in certain electrolytes, that could be an indicator yeah. that you're dehydrated and your bowel needs water, right? Yeah, 
can't get there without the, you know, the other cofactors, right? Can't exactly. get there without the minerals. So. Exactly. And I do believe that there are some you know, there's some dangers, there's some warning signs when you don't go to the washroom every day and you do need to get to the root cause. So we know water is one and electrolytes. We know, okay, progesterone, right? Because progesterone is your feel good. I'm yeah. chill. Like as soon as I started taking progesterone, I was sleeping better. I was just not as edgy. So for women, I mean, that's really important. What other things do you think causes constipation I would say just even our mental state Mm. right so that's going a little bit you know into that different realm of our spirit or our how our mental you know well-being our emotions but what I see is people that struggle with speaking their mind or speaking their truth or they feel like they can't share their feelings they're holding on to things Ah. so I think we can have a lot of when we hold on, literally, we hold on to our stool as well, and we don't let things go. So if you're one of those people that has a hard time letting things go, going with the flow, that can correlate as well. So it really is, like you brought up, a functional approach, looking at the whole body, the whole person, right? It's not just, oh, drink some water. You'll poop and your hormones will be great. Yes. There's more to the, you know, more to the puzzle. I... When I look at the paperwork, um, and that's a you know that's a common thing. I mean, there are so many things, but it it is for a lot of part it is the poor nutrition habits, and mm-hmm. that really I mean are glaring for it, for so many things. But most of the time, it is poor nutrition habits, and it might be really weird timing of meals, or they are all of a sudden eating in a really rushed state. So you're not digesting your food and it just gets to the large intestine. It has no, it just can't move, right? There's that peristalsis piece, right? So I, I, that's the biggest thing that I notice is just really poor nutrients all around that contribute to that. And then the stress. The stress. And I would, I would throw in there the not getting movement, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Cause when we're talking about peristalsis, we're talking about that motion of things moving through the body. So if you, go right to the computer and sit down and don't move, things don't move. Like everything feels stagnant. You know, when we talk about chronic conditions, it's usually because things aren't flushing through. The lymph isn't draining. Things are getting hot. So it is your nutrition and your movement. It seems really simple. But yeah, those are some big pieces. That's important. I Mm -hmm. No, I agree. I agree with that. I mean, and, and really... If you're not, so back in the day when I used to work in an office, I would get up, I would shower, I'd get ready and I'd go to work and I'd be like, I'm not going to go to the washroom here. Like, even if I feel it, I'm hanging on to this, right? But it's really bad for you. And there's a lot of people who Mm -hmm. don't feel comfortable about that. And so the best suggestion for me is you got to get up a little earlier and you got to be chill and enjoy your cup of tea in the morning. And and then guess what? The brain and the body Mm -hmm. speak to each other. The brain and the tummy, right? You know, the enteric nervous system, all of that is connected. Like we've been saying this whole conversation, it puts you into that chill parasympathetic mode system. And what can't we do when we're stressed out? When we're in that sympathetic mode system, 
We can't really do anything. Our body is designed to just deal with the the threat that's in front of us, right? So whatever it is that works, you got to figure it out. And always morning, I mean, get it done, get it out of the way, right? <laughs> so so you don't have to worry about it and think about it later. So yeah, I love yeah, that. Yeah, but um, I would love to move on to the galt, the galt, the gut associated lymphoid tissue, the malt, because people don't talk about this. And this is a really hot topic because all of that's relating to our immune system, right? And the immune health is a huge topic right now. And, you know, they're saying like 90% of our immune system Mm -hmm. resides in our gut. So, you know, I would love to talk a little bit about that. And Lainey, you know, I know you probably know a ton about the B cells, the T cells, how they're all within that galt. And I would love for you to talk about that. Yeah, well, I think let's go a step back. Okay. And we have to remember that the digestive tract, right, from our oral cavity to the other end is technically outside of our body. So it's not, I mean, it's in our body, but it's a Mm -hmm. tube that is considered outside of the body. It is really how we interact with the outside world. So we think of our skin. We know that's a protection from the outside body, but so is our entire digestive tract. So when you eat something, when you ingest something, drink something, it comes in contact with our armed forces, if you will. Our immune system is lined all through it from the oral cavity down. We have this really complex system. But when it gets down into that small intestine, All of these immune systems, you know, is ready to go. It's ready to decide what is going to come in, what's safe, and what should not come in and be, you know, pushed out. And we don't think about that, but it's really a fine-tuned system. And when we don't take care of that system, it's basically like we have a a big shield, right, that keeps us from the bad guys, But when that shield falls down or when we have leaky gut or Mm. intestinal permeability, we now have holes in the force field, right? And so things get through that shouldn't and the immune system goes, oh, whoa, 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 wait, wait a minute. And we set off this cascade of immune responses. But if we can keep that digestive system nice and tight, right? We are more prepared to handle stresses, assaults, bacteria, viruses, anything, because that's how it's designed to work. That was just kind of an overview. But. Yes. No, I mean, it's it's a great overview. But yeah, I mean, even still, think of it as I was actually learning this in my course. And I learned this way back in college, too. It's only one cell. Our gut lining is only one cell lining away from getting into our bloodstream, right? So really, if it's not tight, then we've got a problem. Right. If if we've got a problem and what are some of the causes of those junctions to become loose and having things slip in? Okay, we know gluten. Everybody talks about gluten. Right. Well, gluten for sure. I mean, I can use myself as an example. Yeah. I I was I mean, I was really sick, extremely anemic and was on iron supplementation, extremely low vitamin B12. I mean, I had to leave from events to curl up in a ball. Oh. I thought I was having a heart attack once. I was, whatever, very young. But but that was it. I mean, talk about intestinal permeability. I was getting toxins right into my bloodstream. And 
Hence, I, you know, this is what happened. So, and same thing, I like how you explain it to us. I like the analogy and I'm learning that I've learned this analogy from one of my courses, I'm sure, is like you how we have this army in there, right? We have these B cells and these T cells in there. We have this army in there and they're ready to fight at any moment, but the army gets diminished, right? Yeah. Based upon the damage that might we be causing, what's getting into the and Army's just losing its men. Its men are dying, right? And yes. so there's no ability to respond. And, you know, so that's another good way of yeah. yeah, yeah. And then really what happens, so we know that gluten can be for some people. I personally, so, you know, I'm, I'm a, I, I guess you could say I'm a different nutritionist from a lot of them out there. Because I'm always like, if a food that you're eating isn't bothering you, then eat it in in a, within a variety of foods. I'm always about variety. Don't eat chicken and um, rice every day. Don't eat, you know, that big fat white loaf of bread every day. But maybe enjoy it once every week or with a little bit of grass-fed butter and make sure it's a nice, good quality sourdough bread, not some garbage like Wonder Bread. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So I'm always about everything in moderation unless... It bothers you. And if it bothers you, let's see if we can go back and fix the gut and then try and bring it back again. I'm not a big proponent of eliminating foods unless there's a real reason. Like my daughter has a severe peanut allergy. She would be anaphylactic reactive wise if she ate peanuts. Well, okay, no kidding. She can't eat peanuts, right? I'm not going to risk that. But other people, a lot of times when we do that work, tighten those junctions and get that work done, then they can bring that food back in. I know that's not your case with you, Deb, because you have celiac disease, right? So again, another scenario. So what are some of the things that we can do to tighten up those junctions? Well, I think you brought up a good point because we have this incredible body and digestive system that is very resilient. And the goal should be resiliency. Right. So at times we may need to remove things that are causing inflammation, which can be just stress in general, drinking alcohol, having too much sugar, processed foods. All of those things tend to get down there and punch through the lining. Right. And cause these immune reactions. And then when that happens, we have symptoms that are far removed from the gut. It's the headaches. It's the congestion. Mm. It's the joint aches. Mm -hmm. It's acne. It's all of these things because that lining isn't tight and the immune system has been called, you know, called in because something was awry. But if we take care of our gut, we should be able to have ice cream once in a while if you're not allergic or have that nice piece of bread and, you know, support that system. But the other piece, Danny, is that people will ask me, okay, well, how long do I have to heal my gut? Well, that one cell sloughs off every five to seven days. So all the time. (laughs) you know and it's just it's like your skin cells so I will say well how often do you put moisturizer on your skin every day well then you need to take care of your gut every day (laughs) I like that I like that yeah sorry no go ahead (laughs) go ahead I I too think you know when we talk about healing the gut Mm -hmm. it's never completely healed right it's never going to be perfect and you can't just go back to X ways, right? I mean, that's kind of like anything in life. And I do really find, especially because of our younger population now having more 
digestion issues than that would be normal. Um, it, like I said in the beginning, it is all tied to the herbicides and pesticides, not all of it, but very much so in the foods we're ingesting. And obviously one of the most sprayed crops happens to be wheat. So sometimes it's not a gluten intolerance or a thing to specifically gluten, but the chemicals that are being sprayed on them, which is impacting those things that affect our health. So there are then in those cases where you have to look at what else are they eating. And I also find one of the biggest contributors to that is seed oils like soybean oil and canola oil because they're also being sprayed with these these herbicides and fungicides. So it comes down to maybe being a little bit more diligent about reading labels. I mean, you, what oils are in your chips? What yeah. oils are in your salad dressing? What Those really could be having a bigger impact on your gut health and overall health then you well then we even I mean we can't even imagine right but that's an education piece and it's mm-hmm. you know I mean I have to drill it into my sons and that's not getting through so that's a <laughs> huge huge point right there and you know yeah. what's really interesting is that in and I find it really unfortunate because grocery stores they want to sell product right so there's a big thing. Now, that I actually even try and educate on is health washing, right? When when they say something is really healthy and good, you really still need to read the ingredients. Whole Foods, as an example, almost all of their prepared foods uses canola oil, right? Oh, I know. It's ridiculous. And it's like, how do they call themselves, you know, an alternative grocer, a wellness grocer, you know, organic very ethical. And and I've even asked for products that they say, oh, well, we don't sell that anymore. It doesn't match our ethics. I'm like, hold on a minute. <laughs> Hang on a second here. Um, so we really need to educate ourselves. But another point I wanted to make that you, you ladies helped me bring this to my mind is there is a huge trend right now where people say, oh, you know, vegetarianism, I got to go vegan, whatever, because it's good for the environment. Okay, that's one thing. Another thing is, oh, dairy, dairy's bad for you. Don't eat dairy. Or don't, and so what is happening is individuals are completely cutting out food groups. And it's like, hold on a minute, unless you have to, have to cut it out, don't cut it out. Because what's going to happen, and I've seen this, what happens is individuals will cut out, let's say you say, I don't eat meat anymore. I'm just going to stop because I believe it's bad for the environment. So you stop eating meat. Then let's say a year later, you want to try and eat meat again. And your stomach will say, what the hell are you doing? And you will get paid back for never eating that meat in such a way that your stomach will no longer produce those enzymes. Right? Your stomach's going to say, Hang on a minute. You told me that you're not eating this group anymore. So I'm not making it anymore. And why are you bringing this back in? So this is a point I really want to drill down. I mean, I'm not going to get on the topic of ethics, but I will always say that there is an ethical choice that we can all make with the animal protein that we consume. And I always advocate for regenerative farming methods, animals that are uh, humanely raised, you know, traditional farming methods, 
antibiotic and hormone free, all that kind of stuff. So, and guess what? That's not bad for the environment. It's been done for many, 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 many centuries, right? It's the industrialized factory farm stuff. So I would love to continue and hear even from Lainey, like, what do you think of when people completely cut out food groups because it's a trend? I think that's a little crazy. I always say, let's do a little more investigating. <clears throat> you know, um, for example, if someone comes to me and they have a lot of skin conditions, yeah, dairy can often be a really big offender. So let's remove it. And they'll notice that their skin clears up. And then they have it again. Their skin doesn't. I'm like, well, we missed a step. We have to heal the gut. Yes. And I know Deb can talk to this too, because when, when we talk about celiac forever, they said, just remove gluten and you'll be fine. But celiacs were still having health conditions because they didn't fix the gut, oh. right? So my personal story, I did. I removed dairy for dairy and gluten for 12 months. And I really worked on digestion and liver function. And I like to call myself a food snob, right? I just really up-leveled my food choices. Mm-hmm. And then guess what? I enjoy bread once in a while. I enjoy ice cream once in a while. And I don't react. Yeah. Now, for me personally, if I have that day after day after day, I'll, the little bumps will come back on my arm. I'll start to feel some joint pain. But it's it's not about eliminating them forever. It's about that resiliency and having a good quality. Right? Yes, quality is everything. Like, it is. Like, I grew up on a farm. I grew up on a whole milk. I never had a broken bone. I never was sick. You know, those kind of things. So I don't think raw dairy is the issue. But everybody's different. So let's find out. Can you not tolerate it? Is your gut inflamed? What's the connection? And if you can't, it's okay. Let's just make sure it's high quality. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I love you know, the difference. Yeah, there's a difference between the really nice handbag and the one I got at Ross, right? True. Of course. Yeah. There's going to be a difference. Yeah. And I like to ask people questions about that. Like, so what influenced you to choose this method of eating? You know, mm-hmm. is there something specific um, about it that was attracted? You know, especially if it's in reference to veganism. I'm like, and if someone, it just truly doesn't, like, at the heart of the matter, they cannot imagine eating animal stuff, then that's different. Yeah. But if it is the argument of, well, it's better for the environment, I, I've heard it's better for me, <laughs> like, then let's, okay, let's unpack that a little bit more, right? Well, my friend, I'm like, great, but let's figure out what you need, what your goals are, what you want. Excuse you, Leslie, Lexi, the dog, um, <laughs> you know, and, and find out, like ask them the questions, right? Let's get down to like, what do we really want here and take it from there. Well, that comes into, you know, that we're all unique, right? And we all have different nutritional needs. And that's why when somebody goes vegan and has this great experience and then somebody else goes vegan and they're like, I have no energy. I feel like crap. Like we're all different. And so that's where you either have to do a lot of figuring out on your own or invest in yourself and hire someone to help you, you know, figure that out, you know? Yeah. Yeah. The majority of people, the women that I work with, they want to be able to eat a variety of foods. They want to, the majority of women, because actually I don't think I've ever had a vegan approach me and want to work with me. And I'm okay with that because yeah. 
I, I'm not sure I could help someone who is so one-sided because it is too drastic for my taste. I have absolutely worked with vegetarians and actually I have a niece that's vegetarian and there are definitely are ways that you can be balanced with a vegetarian diet for sure. Um, now, I would love to talk a little about probiotics because probiotics, I actually started a little series on probiotics. There's just so much confusion and... You know, I, I have to say I'm really, um, I, I do grow a little tired when I hear of a general physician saying, just go to the drugstore and get some Align or, right? Yeah. Now, another point, um, and I was actually talking about this today, yeah. a general physician, the majority of them, I'm going to say like 99% of them in North America are not trained in nutrition or nutraceuticals. So if there's one thing I want to dispel right here, right now, general physicians are not the people to go to for nutrition or supplement advice. They will tell you to go to Costco and grab, you know, their vitamin D there or something like that. So there is a difference between quality of therapeutic grade supplements versus the stuff you find at Costco or at the drugstore. So I want to definitely put that out there. And it's not just because I'm a holistic nutritionist. That's not the only reason why. I'm trained in nutraceuticals and in chemistry and 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 diet and wellness and how what we eat and what we take in can affect our overall wellness. Physicians aren't. So I wanted to make that really clear. But back to probiotics. That's huge because people are confused. So... You know, Lainey, I know that you work with both. Mm -hmm. So I personally only ever have ever so far in my practice recommended human strain. Mm -hmm. I'm a little bit like, yes, there's immunoglobulins and that sort of thing from Megaspore Biotic. And, and there are, there's definitely a place for those. But when it comes to spore-based probiotics or soil-based, what are your thoughts on that? I'd like to hear that. Yeah. So um, I actually did my master's thesis on the gut microbiome, okay. right? And so there wasn't really a lot of spore-based at the time. Right. So that's newer research that's coming out. But the research that I uncovered and wrote about was really about the fact that we have this diverse microbiome. And so the bifido and lactostrains, you know, Saccharomyces boulardii, these things have been studied for a very long time. Yes. And the difference is, to Deb's point, you know, everything in our environment has changed. So 20, 30 years ago, nobody was taking probiotics. They were eating yogurt and sauerkraut and kimchi and doing just fine. Yes. Right? But now we've have all of these environmental triggers that are ruining our gut bacteria and we don't eat fermented foods regularly. Right. That's not part of what I grew up with. Not, I mean, except for- Oh, I did. Here, you know? Croatian, the Croatians, they love the fermented cabbage and all that kind of stuff. They do right. love it. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't, but same thing. But we did eat vegetables. Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> right? so, so this whole new strain has come and what triggered me to actually do that study was um, my professor said, well, how did you get into this field? And I said, well, I wanted to help people manage their weight. And so actually, so that's, so I'm like, okay, I'm going to find it. I'm going to find the answer. <laughs> it's going to be gut bacteria and you're going to be able to take a probiotic. And it, no, that's not the case, yeah. right? You still have to do all the things, 
But what I really understood is that it's how diverse your gut bacteria is. Okay. So for a very long time, I was always recommending high, you know, multiple strains, 10 to 12 strains, because we're looking at diversity. Yes. And I would have people alternate their probiotics too, because if you're looking at diversity, you don't want to take the same thing over and over, just as you were speaking to how you're eating. Right. You need to have a diverse array. Yeah. You know, so... I don't think everybody has to have a probiotic, but if their diet's not well and they're feeling a little, you know, like things aren't working well, that's where they're supplements. They're meant to supplement. So I have started using the Megaspore and the soil based and the spore base. And so from what I understand, and because I've met some of the developers, is that these withstand the stomach acid better, get to the gut and actually help kind of seed the garden, if you will. So they help the rest of the probiotics grow. Mm. So I have seen good results with that with myself and my clients. But, but short term, of- right? Short term. Like it's not like you would have them on a soil based for like ever. You know how like. Yeah. I, ha- I don't have enough long term to say that. Okay. Because you know, I usually go symptomology and kind of play with it. Because my goal truly is to get you to not need these things. Right. Like, let's, let's get to that point. If you're where, eating the food. Right. Right. Exactly. Right. Yes. Exactly. And I think that's the, you know, if we can start to increase some fermented foods, eat a wide variety of vegetables, reduce our stress, the gut bacteria are pretty happy. Right. Mm-hmm. But when we eat the sad diet and we eat the mm-hmm. sugars and all the things, then we kind of mess that up and then we have dysfunction. And so that's where sometimes support or if there's a condition, right, diarrhea can be. Saccharomyces boulardii is very good for that. So there are definitely strains that are now, there's a lot more research for different conditions. Whether that's mental support, you know. And I've seen those more from the human strains, the lacto and the bifido. Yeah, what about you, Deb? What do you use in your practice for probiotics? Are you asking me or Lenny? I'm sorry. Sorry, Deb. Uh, Probiotics that you use. Have you ever heard of seed symbiotic? I have, so I have. I, that's what I use. I started myself quite a while ago and it's a completely different company. I mean, they have a research board. They have all these different scientific people on it. So I don't, I'm, I mean, I am just now learning the very specific strains and the effect on the gut with through restorative wellness. But um, so I don't know all of those details by any stretch of imagination. So it's so interesting to me, but I do know that their process is so unique and they go above and beyond, I think, what normal um, criteria are. So I absolutely love it. Um, Is this the, the liquid I, one, Deb? The liquid? Can you see it? Yeah. No. Oh. It comes in a glass jar. Oh, there's nothing. Oh, holes. very yeah. cool. They do, they do not to be refrigerated. Um, the only thing I really tell my, my people, my friends and clients is, don't go to the store and just buy any. You need to know what your, what's the point? If, you know, some probiotic isn't going to solve your gut problem. It's yeah. just not. Well, and the and other thing, so people, yeah, people don't always realize this. They think it's a one and done situation where it's mm-hmm. not. And uh, the probiotic definitely is helpful. But guess what? They, they die off. They're not meant to proliferate, right? Like prebiotic fiber is meant to 
proliferate the gut, right? And keep feeding all of that bacteria that's in there. Whereas probiotics, you take it, it's like, it is kind of a one and done, but it's not a one and done as it relates to overall gut health, right? Mm -hmm. Right. I think that's important to note. And the other thing I want to say is that when you use a good quality third-party tested probiotic, they will guarantee the CFU by the delivery date. So they take into account, so CFU is colony forming units. And Mm -hmm. for those of you who are listening who don't know what that is, and let's say for me, I always go a little higher. I always go 50 billion. And I always go multi-strain, human strain. That's usually how I start off. But then there's some people who can't take it, right? Like, have you ever seen that, Lainey, with individuals who have IBS, where you have to basically go just lacto and bifido blend and lower and gradually work them? Yeah, you've seen that too. Totally. The more dysbiotic that gut is, you have to be very careful. So even if you can, depending on what the formula is, you can break the capsule open, have half of it even. I've seen people have to start that low, you know, because everything is so out of balance that we just want to be very gentle, right? Very gentle. It's not about attacking all the time. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think too, like you say, when you, when you all of a sudden introducing all this a lot of numbers of these of these new new guys coming in, right? They're coming in. If they are new guys, yes. Right. Yeah. And then displacing this other bacteria, right? That's gonna be a trigger for other consequences. So, you know, it is one of those things you kind of need to sometimes know and or be your N of one. And And test yourself. No, it's true. And I like what you're saying too, Lainey, about um, rotating. So I will buy different brands because Mm -hmm. one of the posts that I worked, I I had put out in Instagram a few weeks ago was how lactobacillus remnesis, let's say there's a GG, right? So the GG, that's the actual strain, but you can have a lactobacillus uh, remnesis from a different company that doesn't use the GG. Right. Mm -hmm. And so when you actually diversify with Mm -hmm. the the good quality probiotics that you put in your gut, you're putting all those good guys in there. Right. And for if you have a relatively healthy gut, that should make your gut feel even better if you're if you're balanced and healthy. Yeah. Yes, definitely. I mean, and I think it's that diversity that things change. We are not the same person every single day of the week. We are not the same person every single day of the year, right? Seasons change, our gut microbiome changes, our personality change, you know, so we have to, it's not like, it's not a one and done. This is an ongoing discovery. I mean, the jeans you wore in sixth grade are not the jeans you wear today. That's for sure. (laughs) That's for sure. Or (laughs) even the jeans I wore 10 years ago, never mind sixth grade. 10 years ago. (laughs) Nope, that's not happening, but that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so I celebrating that. Right. And that's but hmm. if people get really overwhelmed with that. But the truth is, this is a great opportunity for us to relearn and reconnect with ourselves always. Yes, absolutely. Now, I do want to cover this off because I feel it's a very important sidebar. And then maybe we can get into testing and then our favorite supplements and then wrap things up. But I feel this is really important neurotransmitters. Okay. 
serotonin, dopamine, mm-hmm. all of those transmit neurotransmitters, they actually begin in the gut. So, Lainey, with your science background, I would love for you to just, you're so good at explaining things. I would love it. Yeah, you are. Yeah, you are. Go, <laughs> Lainey. So yeah. No, I'm, you know, it's really, it's fascinating because once again, we forget that the gut does so much more than it's just there, right? It assimilates our nutrients. It helps us with our immune system. And it actually produces some vitamins in our microbiome and some hormones and these neurotransmitters. And I feel, I, I'm not, I want to say 90% of our serotonin is actually produced in our gut. Dopamine, a lot of things, are melatonin, produced within the gut lining. So if we're struggling with anxiety, sleep issues, motivation issues, we truly can link that back to the gut, right? So when we have a gut that works properly, we actually have better mindset, brain function, which helps with every other health endeavor, right? Because when you're like, oh, I want to eat better, but I just don't feel like I can, and I'm nervous about it, right? We have to eat well, and then make sure our gut works, and that it supports us even more, right? So when we see low neurotransmitter levels, we have to look to the gut first and foremost. Will we have to supplement with some amino acids? Possibly. Well, we have to increase protein, possibly, likely, but we've got to get the gut functioning first so it can do its job on so many levels. Yeah, and there are tests that you can do mm-hmm. to check your neurotransmitter levels because, and I, I do want to mention this, this is many years ago in school, there was an actual study where they took federal inmates who were in a high maximum security prison, tons of violence within the prison system. And what they did was they actually altered their diets. And it was, I I can't remember all the details of it, but the basic premise of the study was they took half the inmates in one area and they changed their diet, left the others as they were with the existing diet, gave them whole real foods, gave them supplements, gave them, and guess what? The violence went down to like, I don't even remember the percentage, but it was so mind-blowing when I read it. And I'm like, oh my God, right? So when we alter the diet, when we eat whole real foods, when we take some supplements, because we just can't get everything from our food, we can improve our overall wellness, not just our gut, but our brains, like everything. So I just love that example. But um, now testing, testing, testing. There's a lot out there. And I've noticed that there's a lot on the gut. Mm-hmm. I I would love to hear your lady's take on this because I have my own opinion. So I've done certain tests where they analyze your poop and then they'll, they'll te- you send it out. And my poop ended up going all the way across to the United States from Toronto. (laughs) And and then they came back and they said, don't eat this, don't eat this, don't eat this, don't eat this. And this is years ago, okay? So my take on it is that, yes, I do believe your stools can really determine a lot of things. And I'm a big believer in certain diagnostic testing for different pathogens like the GI map and that sort of thing. I personally, I'm not 
a big believer that you can tell me definitively what I should and shouldn't eat because I did it for a good year and I didn't see a huge difference myself. I didn't see that my stomach was any different than it was when I stopped eating peppers. You know what I'm saying? And then and then somebody else I know did this exact same test and I'm not bashing any companies yeah, here. No. Uh, I'm just saying this another individual did it and they're like, oh, well, I'm not supposed to eat peppers either. And so <laughs> we went back and forth and we were talking about how we both didn't, we weren't supposed to eat very much of the same foods. So what I'm saying is I do believe that there are some very good tests out there that will tell you a lot about your diversity. What's in your gut? Are there any pathogens? Are are there any, is there anything to be concerned about in terms of pathogens that shouldn't be there taking over? And I think you can get a lot of information in that sense. I'm not sold that I can do a poop test and it'll tell me exactly what I need to eat every day of yeah. my life. So go ladies, tell me, tell <laughs> yeah. me what you think. I want to hear it. Ladies, what do you think? Lainey's going to be have a lot more. Yes, Lainey, 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 go. So I'll do the minor saying thing. I think that you're still still looking at the person and their functional issues, even when you're getting back the results of, let's say, a GI map. And I believe that what I'm learning now is that it it, is like everything is going to depend upon that person. And it may show signs of something else. So just because X pathogen is high or something is low, what is that in correlation to some of the other markers, right? That's one of the things that I think you take in, the, obviously, the person's perspective. Okay. Um, and I know other people who have taken other um, tests, and they literally the same thing, Sandy. They all came back the same, and they say, just don't eat this. There's no other coaching involved. Yeah. So that's another issue. So yeah. that's all I have to add to that piece of conversation because we know Lainey's got a lot. Okay, Lainey, what do you have to say about this? So, yeah, so being in a field where I work with a lot of practitioners that run a lot of tests, my feeling is we don't always have to test everything. Right. That's, you know, I really don't think so. I think there's so much we can do with our diet lifestyle and questionnaires to figure those things out. Um, especially like when you're running some of these tests and they're like, well, you can eat this, you can eat that. We literally just talked about how we change and how our gut is diverse and it's not stagnant. It changes. So these meal plans or food plans, they're going to change too. That's not going to be a consistent thing. We're always on this journey. That being said, the GI map has been around for a very long time. It's one of the only tests that's been kind of FDA approved for diagnostic use. I have run a couple of those. I never found them super helpful okay. in my business. Um, there were a couple times where parasites showed up and we did a protocol and those came back clear. So that's great. Um, but what I will say, I do use now the Biome FX as an option if someone wants to test. But we're, with that test, it's a shift in the paradigm. So rather than that saying, you have too much of this or this is showing up, they take a different approach to the entire microbiome, right? And you can't ever get the whole microbiome. You're looking at the poop from the last part of the cold. And it, right, and right? it's changing, right? It's changing. Like, so it's not really, you're not going to get 
a full picture. We haven't gotten that far in our testing capabilities. Right. But that being said, what I will say about BiomFX, what they've done different. So GIMAP and other testing has been using 16S, their, their sequencing, and they test about 300 DNA-based pairs. The BiomFX, the Cosmos ID is the company that does it, tests a minimum of 3 million DNA Oh, pairs. my gosh. Or sorry, yeah, 3 to 10 million. That's crazy. And so they will, they will only report something that's 99% accurate. Oh, I like that. So that's a difference. So, for example, on my personal GI map, there were a few things that showed up. Oh, here's some E. coli. Here's some staff. Here's some right. things. No, Everybody not. has those. Yes, yeah, we do. You get this result and you're like, oh, crap, I have E. coli. Yeah. Right. No. I'm like, oh, no, did I not clean my knife when I cut my chicken? Yeah. You know, what was, what's wrong? With this new testing or this new approach, they only report what's out of balance with your microbiome. Mm. So we're looking at that diversity and balance. So on my last year that I ran, there was only one that came up out of balance, Bifilio wadsworthia, <laughs> which shows up in people that have high-fat diets. <clears throat> so it was wow. a reminder I needed to eat more vegetables and not be so keto whole 30 all the time. Okay. <laughs> I, I didn't think you, know? you were keto whole, whole 30, but I didn't I know mean, that. I'm not. <laughs> but that but can happen. Time, you know, yeah. That healthy fats. And I was like there that. too, by the way, just yeah. so you know. It was just a reminder though. And then they report the keystone strains and what's missing and what's there. And, and also it breaks down how well your bacteria are producing your B vitamins, your neurotransmitters. Oh, and that's the cool. Oh, that's cool. So, I, so that that's for cool. me with the women's hormones, the astrobolome was why I really liked this test. So okay. we could look at hormones, genetics, and some gut bacteria things. So That's it's a nice good. approach, but more of a functional picture. And so it's really like, for me personally, it was, you need to eat more vegetables. Oh. Your diversity is good, but it could be better, oh, right? Okay. So I scored, I probably got a B plus, I would say overall. Nice. But there was room for improvement. That's cool. You That's know. good to so know. It, you know. So if someone was really out of balance, yes, those things would show, but they don't report things unless they're 99% accurate and they're looking at a lot more DNA pairs. Okay. Now, some of these yeah. things are pretty, some of these tests are pretty pricey as well, right? Like, yeah. And, yeah. and that's why, um, especially these gut tests, they can be quite pricey, especially the yeah. GI map. Oh my gosh. I think here in Canada, yeah. it's like over 500 bucks. If you do this with a natural yeah. doctor, it's a lot of money. So I think you need to really want it. Um, we have another, I yeah. I don't know if you guys have fluids IQ there. Do you have that there? They do some great yeah. testing, yeah. like a little more, um, I would say affordable, like they like Zonulin. Zonulin is a good yeah. reliable test just to it's not definitive, but I mean it's a great test if you suspect leaky gut, right? Because it's a protein and it's a simple blood spot test. I find that that can be useful. And then then yeah. there's also um okay, I, I do have here biome FX. And um another thing I do want to touch on. I am personally, and ladies, please disagree if you disagree. I'm not a big fan of food sensitivity testing. And I'm going to tell you why. Because there are a couple of different types out there. 
And what I have seen is individuals go and get this food sensitivity test and then they end up and they do it when they're a mess. Okay. That's the other thing. They go and they do it when they are not well. Mm -hmm. And everything on that test shows up sensitive, 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 and you're sensitive to everything. And then they go and cut all of that out of their diet. And then we go right back to what we were talking about earlier. Then you're cutting out major food groups. You're not going to actually have, you're going to lose the ability to digest them. And Mm -hmm. then it's like, wait a minute, are you sensitive to it just because you've been eating too much of the same foods or are, right? So this is why I'm, I personally never do food sensitivity testing. Never. I believe our bodies are always speaking to us and always telling us. And sometimes if we do that work, we're able to bring it back in. Sometimes not. So, you know, let me know what you think. I'd love to hear. Lainey, you go first. So um, I do some food sensitivity testing. It's not something I have everybody start with. I still, it's one of those, because they're expensive too. It's a big expense. And once again, it can change, right? Yes. So, and they, there is no hundred percent accurate food sensitivity testing. There mm-hmm. just isn't, right? So you can know that you're sensitive or have a reaction to something and it may not show up on your test. So that being said, the way I approach it, if somebody really wants to do it, great, we'll do it and we'll see what's happening. If the gut's inflamed and we're working on things and we're still having some issues, then we might look at it. I use a different technology mediator release test. I don't know if you've heard of that one, but it's more of how the cell responds to the food. Um, So I've used that on occasion. But typically my approach is let's clean up the diet. Let's see what we can do just the normal way. And And if we're still having issues, then we can consider it. Yeah. So I just had a client and she did. She really went into gut, liver. We did cut out gluten, dairy, sugar because she was having digestive and some skin and some different things. And about six weeks in, she's like, I feel better, but I'm still reacting to something. So we did one, and coffee, corn, and chocolate came up. Oh, dear Lord. Those were the only things. Who yeah. wants to give up and coffee? So I did that. Yeah. <laughs> only for and six so months, but. She, she went all in, and she was in tears, and I was like, okay, let's hold the bus. Yeah. A food sensitivity is different than an allergy. If we heal the gut and <clears throat> regain our resilience we can bring those foods back in. She's like, oh, thank you, right? So we just had a call yesterday. She hit her six months and she emailed me and said, okay, I promise I've learned. I'm going out for pizza next week. It's a fancy pizza, thin crust, fancy. I'm taking my enzymes and I'm going to eat slowly. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, perfect. Okay. That's perfect. Yeah. You know, and she said, but I think I really am reacting to corn and chocolate. Mm. So she had noticed those. So the, the key was, your body speaks to you, but sometimes you have to really learn how to pay attention over the course of, you know, and I said, yeah. And if you're okay, I'm not going to stop you from eating pizza. You should go have your pizza, Yeah, (laughs) you know, but she now understands digestion better. She understands eating and enjoying from a relaxed state. And she knows that her body needs a little extra digestive support and we'll see what happens. Mm -hmm. Right. Before Mm -hmm. she puts it out. Everything right there is that awareness. And I think, it takes a long time for some people to get there and you, and, and being patient with it Mm -hmm. and having sort of a team of people, if they have like their physician might be a good place to start, but then they're working with maybe a nutritionist and that's not quite still enough. So they have some 
you know, but the nutritionist has a practitioner that helps people with the coaching piece. So it's that team effort and learning to be super aware. No, I agree with that. Sometimes people don't have time. Yeah. (laughs) In a sense, right? So you you help them along the way. Yeah. Yeah, no, really good advice, ladies. Um, now we, we should probably wrap this up. I think we're over an hour. We are. Yeah. Over an hour. Um, okay. Lainey, I'll start with you. What are some of your favorite supplements for the gut Mm. and why and why? I, well, I love to keep real food as much as possible. So I love bone broths. I think those are a really nourishing way because we have collagen and all these amino acids and that's really helpful and it tastes good. Yeah. Um, however, in the summer, I don't make a lot of bone broth, so I do use collagen peptides, right? Um, I like branched chain amino acids and glutamine from coming from the fitness world. You know, I always took those things. So for a lot of people, that's something they're already doing. I might well double down on that, add a little more, you know, fish oil I like for, for healing the gut as well. And then Let's eat our vegetables. So those are, you know, a couple of mine, just the, the glutamine, the branched chain amino acids, collagen, fish oil, some of the basics. I love it. What about you, Deb? Oh, yeah. Bone yeah, bone. I, uh, essentially amino acids. So not just the BCAs, but all of them. E- EAAs and are one of my favorite, including, then there is also L-glutamine. Uh, and one thing that I really like it to, if for people to get, if they can get it where they live, and it's not that easy, is a, it's called Coconut Cult. It's like coconut yogurt, but it's a true supplement. You take one spoon of it a day Mm. and it is, I mean, it's heaven. (laughs) There's something about it. I don't know. It's so good. Now it is not, it's not, it's not inexpensive. It is a true supplement. I mean, it says it on the bottle. Do not eat all this at once. (laughs) That will be, you will have diarrhea. You will have issues. You will have issues. So I love coconut cold. This is something different. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the zinc carnosine uh, as well. So um, I have to ask now you guys both mentioned zinc, zinc carnosine. And one of the things that I actually use is zinc picolinate. Now, what is Lainey? What's the difference between zinc carnosine and zinc picolinate? Do you Goodness, know? This? I can't give you the scientific breakdown of that. I just know from research and study that the carnosine form helps the gut. Yeah. Uh, so the zinc carnosine that I use is a product called Endozin because it has the glutamine right in it. Okay. Oh. Okay. So I, I will recommend, you know, because less is more when you're taking supplements for myself and other people. So I'm yes. like, let's try this one. It's the zinc carnosine, but it also has that glutamine in there. So we're getting a double bang for a buck. Oh, that's cool. Oh, that yeah. is, that is. Cause I, I heard both of you talk about that and I always recommend zinc picolinate cause I've always been taught that that's a really highly absorbable form of zinc, but not specific for the gut. Right. So yeah, what about you? Yeah. The carnosine is specific for the gut and it can really help in the uh, intestinal permeability, right? In, in helping to get those, though, that not to happen. You should heal that portion of the problem if you have leaky gut. I like and it. so that's one of the, the, the things. And it, one of those things, like anybody, as we age, we don't absorb zinc from other things as well, like many things. So they find in an aging population that that can help some of their digestive issues. 
something really just something as simple as carnosine. And I think it's really beneficial for things like it might be, I could be not hundred percent. You can tell me for like gastritis it could be helpful for, um, and maybe even ulcers. So yeah, I want to say in a lot of the gut formulas, it's typically zinc carnosine is what Perfect. Good to know. Good to know. And and I'll, I'll tell you one of my, because you mentioned L-glutamine. So that's obviously one of my favorites, L-glutamine. Now, I will say for anybody who's listening, none of this that we've talked about today is medical advice. I did not give my disclaimer at the start, but I probably will in my preamble. But we are just providing you with education and information. See your own practitioner on what's right for you. So I better add that in there because I'll be like, Lainey and Deb and Sandy told me to take all this, and, you know, and my stomach exploded because I took too much um, L-glutamine and didn't drink enough water. And right. So this is why I want to just say L-glutamine is wonderful because it definitely helps with the tightening of the junctions in the gut lining, which is something we talked about. But again, you should be working with a practitioner who understands L-glutamine because if you don't drink enough water, if you start too fast, you can be very gassy and bloated. So these are all things to speak with your practitioner about. Um, so that's one of my favorites. Probiotics, multi-strain. I love HMF or Genestra. I think that they have such a great uh, brand. Pure Encapsulations has a great 50 billion multi-strain. Um, I also like a product, it's called MAPS, Master Amino Acid um, mm. System, or they also call, they all, it's, they also say it's the SUNS formula, I think it depends on how they're marketing it, SUNS or MAP, MAPS, Mass. and yeah. why I like it is because you get your amino acids digested, assimilated within 23 minutes of taking them. Mm. And so mm. I take those when, you know, I think that they're very good for the gut. They're very good for overall health, having enough amino acids. And I think four of them amounts to 10 grams of protein, the amount you would get in 10 grams of protein. So these are all some of my favorite supplements. And then of course, I'm going to say I love um, digest zymes, digestive mm-hmm. enzymes by designs for health the reason i like it they have a good amount of hcl hydrochloric acid they also have a really good um i find um a good amount of ox bile so that's one thing we didn't really touch on is individuals who don't have a gallbladder right and Mm -hmm. and i think that that's important if you ladies have anything to add with that i would love to hear it about the whole gallbladder thing well, we need to absorb our fat for our hormones, right? And so, and I think it's really been, you know, sad. We've had so many people have their gallbladders removed and then they're not told we might need some extra digestive support so you can actually break down your fats and absorb the nutrients from there, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think it's something we, we forget to talk about. Deb, totally. what do you know? Uh, I mean, ox bile, for sure. Yeah. I mean, if you don't have a gallbladder, I mean... I don't, I've never heard of not taking ox bile if you don't have one. So, but it's, you know, in allopathic sure. medicine, they don't talk about it, right? No, no they don't. No, I, my, I have a client that I'm still working with that is a really young girl and she had a gallbladder taken out just this year. And, um, we, I had her start ox bile, but I, we waited a few weeks. Like we waited until, cause 
post-surgery, I mean, man, her gut, wow, had some issues. Oh. So we, I, I let everything calm down. I said, you know what, I'm not a physician, so I want to just make sure we're doing the right thing. I don't want you to start right away. Just let's let's wait and ease into it. So, yeah, Oxbow. Yeah, I think yeah. that's uh, one thing that we didn't talk about was the gallbladder and the bile flow. We should just mention that really quick before we tie up because um, one of my favorite supplements to help increase that bile flow. So your liver spurts out the bile. And then if you don't have that gallbladder to give you that little extra push to digest and assimilate those fats, then you could have diarrhea. You could have basically your food just goes right through you. So this could be even with somebody who has stagnation, right? And so one of my favorites is dandelion. Um, and mm-hmm. I take dandelion. I think I had gallbladder issues a couple years ago. I'm still not sure because it did end up going away, but I was taking dandelion at that time and I found it really helped me. You can take it, you can drink it as a tea or metaherb has a good one. What about you, Lainey? Do you, do you yeah, have I, anything I, that's a go-to? I like dandelion milk thistle, like any kind of those liver supporting teas. Cause they're so gentle and it's a natural it's just an easy thing to add, but there's so much, there's so much we benefit from, right? And we, we need to be able to just have that liver flowing and that gallbladder flowing and get that bile in there. It's really important. And it's another thing we didn't learn in elementary school, right? We did not. What about you, Deb? No. I think, you know, just everything that you guys just said is, um, you know, and you can see that through different assessments if someone's not able to absorb or utilize their, their fatty acids well. And yeah, I mean, it's a really important little organ. (laughs) It is, it is, it's so important. And so, you know, some of the signs, if your stools are always like this pale, pale brown Mm -hmm. color, like very light, if they're floating, anything else you can think of (laughs) floating stools, not good. Or even greasy, greasy. There's kind of a film greasy in the, yeah. Toilet. Good point. Good point. All right, ladies, uh, we have gone over and that's okay. Cause I think this was a really good discussion. Lainey, where can people find you? My business website is graystarhealth.com. G R A Y graystarhealth.com. And I'm on Instagram as laney.gray. And there's where I share lots of information and collaborate with other practitioners and coaches and you can find me either of those places perfect deb what about you same same so my website is deb g health and my instagram handle is deb g health and same thing i like to just you know uh, provide some value in both of those places and i'm pretty easy to find perfect thank you so much ladies for this amazing conversation Oh, I think you know, I think it was fun to have just, you know, just kind of have a conversation about it all and realize there's a lot to it. So thank you. Yes. Thanks for having us. Thank you, ladies. Join me next week where I cover off more exciting topics. I hope to continue to engage you and excite you and show you that living in your 40s, 50s, and beyond can be exciting, balanced, and helpful. Bye for now.